All right. Welcome back to Formate Arbitration. Today is Sunday. I am going to do an episode. I was not going to do one, but uh, JB is going to come on tomorrow and do a salted peanuts edition. A lot of people reaching out to him about things. I think I said this earlier. And uh, so he's going to do one tomorrow. It's going to be very good. Uh, he's going to deliver his route. His station is about half a mile from my house. So he's just going to come over after that and do one then. Uh, I was not going to do one, but I had a very important decision come in last week on uh, my last arbitration I did last year. And uh, we finally got the decision last week. The case was, the, the record was closed last August. <laughs> and the arbitrator just rendered a decision, and it's a doozy. And so I want to talk to you about it today, kind of talk about the hearing a little bit, if that's all right. Uh, first off, we are in collective bargaining as we speak. Uh, Mr. Kerf did a fantastic job last week of talking to y'all about what to expect, kind of behind the scenes. Um, letter carriers aren't privy to that kind of stuff. So I really appreciate him coming on and talking to his people. Uh, that's what it's all about. You know, I, I admire him for taking the heat that he does, taking the flack from his uh, peers for coming on here because, trust me, they don't like me <laughs> and they don't like y'all being educated, which is foolish to me. Um, but he takes a lot of flack for coming on here and uh, I really appreciate him. So, Mike, I appreciate you coming on and talking to our people, trying to educate them, something nobody else will do. And uh, so we're in it. Collective bargaining started last week. So if you pray, if you pray, and I know not everybody does, and that's fine. If you pray, pray for the leaders of this union, uh, that they'll have the strength and the knowledge and the courage to do what's right for us. Um, whoever you pray to, pray that they will, they will, uh, give them that, the courage and the knowledge and uh, the strength to do what's necessary. If you don't pray, whatever you do, do it <laughs> for our leaders. I'm talking about Mr. Renfro all the way down, the executive council, our attorneys. It's a very important contract. We got to get this right. A lot of topics, a lot of hot topics uh, that we have to get addressed, have to. We cannot come out of this this uh, collective bargaining agreement with, with crap. We just can't. And I'll talk a little bit more about that next week, that if, if it's not good, what we need to do as members, what we need to do. So I'll talk about that next week. But if you pray, pray for our leaders. Uh, they're going to need it, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. I'll, do, I'll be praying for them. If you don't, whatever you do, do it, okay? I want to talk about this decision a little bit. Uh, I'll t talk about the hearing a little bit, if that's okay. Uh, I've done about 200 cases, arbitrations. Uh, I've got about 145 decisions. Now, if that don't make sense, <laughs> a lot of times when you go to arbitration, you can pre-arb a case all the way up until the arbitrator renders a decision. So I know it says pre-arb, but you can pre-arb after the arb. So <laughs> believe it or not. So after the hearing, if you waylay management, they'll come to you and say, hey, look, we'll pre-arb it for this. So a lot, uh, a lot of mine get pre-arbed after the hearing. So I've done about 200 cases. I've got about 145 decisions. Okay. And so this case was by far the most important. Uh, it was the most important uh, to me. And I believe that it was the most important to those involved. It, it was a tough, tough case. It really was. It was a very emotional case, a very tough case, uh, just draining your mind, your body, your soul. This case was completely draining to everybody involved, us, management, to both parties. It was a tough, tough case. In October 12th of 2021, uh, a CCA went into a station looking for a supervisor that he had had somewhat of an altercation with earlier that day. And that supervisor had been called out to the street for a carrier. I can't remember if the carrier had broke down or something to that effect, but the, that supervisor, that particular supervisor, had gone to the street, so he wasn't there when the CCA came in 
And the CCA walks into the station manager's office. And in the office is the station manager, a male, and the supervisor, a female. And he takes out a handgun and he shoots and kills the station manager. And then he turns the gun on the supervisor and shoots and kills her as well. Um, then he then leaves the manager's office and all this is on video and he walks to the middle of the floor and there's a desk and he sits at the chair at the desk. A carrier walks by, they exchange words. And then, uh, I believe he gets on a phone temporarily and then he takes the gun and he takes his own life. And so we have a CCA that, that murders a manager and supervisor, and then, and then kills himself. And when that happened, obviously it, it sent shockwaves around the postal service here in this district. But my business agent, and I've told y'all all the time that he is, one of the things that he is exceptional at is addressing toxic working environments. I, I would say that he was one of the best at that. And I've always said that. I mean, this guy, if there's a toxic working environment, he's sending a team in to correct it. <laughs> I mean, I've been into numerous stations. I've been into numerous facilities, numerous installations uh, as a team to correct toxic working environments. Um, so when this happened, my business agent basically said enough is enough. Almost the entire business agent's office moved to Memphis for two weeks after this shooting. And they put together a case file. And they're going after the entire Memphis installation. And they're going after the district manager as well. So we're not going after one manager, which is what I've done in the past. We've been highly successful. They're going after the entire installation of Memphis and the environment that's been allowed to go on there, the toxic working environment. And on this team is, is um, the business agent's office, but specifically a guy named Jason Atchley. And I would put him up as, as the preeminent joint statement expert. I would say that he was number one in the country. I don't know everybody in the country, but I would put him up against anybody in the country. If I was to put together a team, if they called me and said, Corey, put together a team, you're going into this station, I don't care whether it's in Seattle, Miami, Maine, put together a team, whoever you want, put together a team and go in, he would be my first phone call, Jason Ashley. He's that good. Um, if you watch football, you know offensive linemen, if they have a very good offensive line, most offensive linemen can play every position. That's Jason Ashley. He's very good at file building, at contentions. He's exceptional. He's very good at the informal step A, very good at the formal A. He is an expert witness in arbitration. He's also a very skilled arbitration advocate. And so he can play every part. Matter of fact, uh, I've been in numerous arbitrations with him where he has played every part. Uh, he was an advocate when I was a witness in Hattiesburg where we were moved to manager. He was the witness. I was the advocate in Jackson where we were moved to manager. Um, and he was a witness in this case in Memphis. Okay, so I would say that he was number one in the country as far as the joint statement. Uh, that to me, I mean, I mean that's, that's just how I feel. And y'all know who I am. I, I don't cut no shit. And so um, I don't blow smoke. If I had a phone call, if they said, you got one phone call, I'd call him. I'd say, come on, let's go. But anyway, so they go after the environment, which is very difficult to do, going after an environment. A lot of things have to fall into place to prove that the environment in an installation is one that requires addressing a remedy that was quite extreme. And so... It's a very difficult case for us because we're going in uh, trying to persuade the arbitrator, look, don't look at the shooting. Don't look at the shooting. Look at the environment. Management's position was look at the shooting. 
There's nothing proving that this CCA was managed by any of these managers that are going after, ever had issues with these managers that they're going after. It's just a lone shooter going in, murdering two people and killing themselves. So look at that. Do not pay attention to the union's position. Our position was the exact opposite. The shooting happened. Here we are because of the environment. What we're saying is an environment that produces this type of action. Okay, if that makes sense. So that was a very difficult obstacle for us. One to say, don't look at the shooting, look at the environment. Because management's entire position all the way through was the shooter. That was that was their entire position. They didn't pay any attention to our position at all. They said, look at the shooter. What does this have to do with the union's grievance? Okay, so I hope that makes sense. But that's what we're up against. Very difficult. Very difficult. And Jay and I, I was the advocate, spent hundreds of hours, no joke, hundreds of hours going over this case uh, after I got it. Uh, matter of fact, he came up uh, several times. We went over it. Uh, we talked endlessly on the phone about this case, how we were going to go about this case, our strengths, our weaknesses, uh, things that we weren't real comfortable with. Uh, it was very, very intricate, okay? Um, 1,300 pages or so, and so that is burdensome in itself. If you ask any advocate, I'd much rather have a case with 50 pages. <laughs> but 1,300 pages, you've got to know every page. And, and Y'all won't remember this, but I talked about uh, the case that I had where management puts all these clock rings in, and in the middle of these clock rings, there's an email. Well, this was that case. They would hide things. Here's an email talking about this carrier in the middle of all these clock rings. Jay would have to pull that out, you know, and that was done intentionally. There's no doubt. So we, we have a new arbitrator and uh, not really sure his position on the joint statement. That's another obstacle because he's not had any uh, joint statement cases. And so we don't know his position. So we're going to have to emphasize his authority to grant us the remedy that we're requesting. Uh, and that's going to take a lot of work. And when I talk about my joint statement episodes, all the things that you put in a file, that's what we're talking about here. All of those things were in this file. So Jay has to painstakingly go over each one of these things and say, this is why this is incorporated in here in our issue statement. This is why this pertains to the environment. This is why this pertains to the environment. And this is why you have the authority to do what, you're, what we're asking you to do, which is critical, okay? So poor Jay <laughs> was up there all day, up there all day. And I'll get to that in a second. But we, when it comes time for the hearing, and it's a two-day hearing, the union puts their position on, and it takes us so long that we have to come back and and have a second day. And we come back several weeks later and management puts, puts their position on. Okay. So we've targeted the vital few as the post office would call it <laughs> the vital few, those managers that are the biggest abusers of the joint statement or mutual respect. We target those uh, managers and we're saying, these are the ones that are the, the main players when it comes to violations of the joint statement, which, when it comes to creating a toxic working environment for our brothers and sisters, these are the ones. And so we have those uh, identified. We also go after the district manager because in the case file are numerous correspondence between him and the business agent. And the business agent is pleading for help for our brothers and sisters in Memphis. Going back years, he's pleading with the district manager, please get involved with Memphis. Things are not well. Okay, so we have these correspondence there between him and the, and the district manager. Uh, correspondence between the postmaster and the branch president. The branch president pleading for help from the postmaster. Please help my people. The toxic and work environment is dangerous down here. Something is going to happen. Nothing, nothing. So we have all this in the file, okay? 
So we get to the hearing, and about the first two hours is procedural issues, okay? Uh, I object to two pictures. Manager brings in two huge pictures of the manager and supervisor and puts it on a table. I object to those pictures. I'm like, you know, I appreciate that, but it's they're doing that for persuasive value. Uh, and, and we don't want you to be swayed by that. And, and I got overruled. The arbitrator said, I'm going to overrule that. I'm going to let them stay in here. So we lost that uh, as far as taking the pictures out. But uh, management had numerous threshold issues. And what that means is they're trying to argue that, that this case is not arbitrable, that the arbitrator shouldn't hear the merits of the case. And uh, normally it's called bifurcation. They want a separate hearing. They want a hearing on these threshold issues to see if the arbitrator will hear the merits. And then we will come back if he says that it is arbitrable. If, if we are going to go to arbitration on the merits, he'll rule that overrule all of management's threshold issues. And we'll come back later and hear the merits, if that makes sense to you. Uh, he did it all in the, you know, in the same hearing. He's like, I'll hear your threshold issues. I'll render a decision on that. And we're going to hear the merits as well. So we didn't have to come back on a separate day just for the merits. Okay. So uh, the arbitrator heard the threshold issues. One was timeliness. Uh, management said that this grievance was not timely filed because it should have been 14 days after the shooting. And we said, we're not doing this based off of the shooting. We're doing this based off of our investigation into the toxic working environment that y'all created. It is timely because it's an ongoing grievance. The issues here are, are ongoing. And when you look at the joint statement, it says those whose unacceptable behavior continues, which means more than 14 days. Uh, we had to have that hashed out. And uh, they also said that we failed to bargain in good faith at the informal step A. Uh, they said that we failed to bargain in good faith at the formal step A. And so they're wanting the case thrown out based off of those issues. All right. Jason actually was my only witness. You know, I could have called 50. But when we got into it, uh, he was my only witness. And uh, he just presented his case. It was very troublesome because this arbitrator interjected a lot. Um, and as an advocate and a witness, you, you have to get in a flow. All right. You have to, when you prep, there's certain things and you're on this page. Here's what we're going to do on this page. Here's what we're going to do. So you get in a flow and it comes off really well, like a well-oiled machine. Okay. We couldn't do that here because the arbitrator kept interjecting and it's just bogging it down and we were just trudging along. But, uh, Jay lasted all day in there and was magnificent, uh, magnificent. And if anybody ever sees him, tell him, thank you for what he did for our people in Memphis. Uh, but he was absolutely fantastic as a witness, putting on his position. I don't do anything as an advocate. Uh, I'm just like the orchestra leader. I I'm just telling who to play what and uh, when to play. So that's all I did. Uh, he was masterful in this, in this case. Management's uh, case they put on a couple weeks later. Uh, they had five witnesses. Uh, one is a postal inspector, who I don't like postal inspectors. I think they're dishonest. This one was no different. Uh, his postal inspector's report was completely one-sided. Uh, it was a cover-your-ass report. Matter of fact, that's what Jason actually said when I questioned him about the postal inspector's report. He said, this is nothing more than a, than a cover-your-ass report. And that's what he told the arbitrator, just like that. He said, this is a cover-your-ass report, is all it is. And so what happened was the postal inspector gives a two-page report uh, on a threat. It's not a threat assessment, but it's something like that. His findings, okay, they were completely skewed, completely skewed. So when I got to cross-examine him, I really took it to him uh, as far as his dishonesty. Um, he uh, talks about they came in and questioned all the carriers but the only person that made it into his report was the supervisor that the CCA was after. And so he gave him free reign. I just called it carte blanche is what I told him. I said, so you just gave him carte blanche. Whatever he wanted to say about this individual, he said it, and then you put it in your report. Uh, he also 
said after his investigation, he pulled up this CCA on some kind of program they had and uh, seen that he had been arrested before and that one of his family members had said that he was um, paranoid schizophrenic. And I blasted him about that, about how unethical that was. I said, so you have nothing from a doctor saying that this guy is paranoid schizophrenic. Uh, No, I don't. I said, do you not see that that's incredibly careless to put in a statement from a family member saying he was paranoid schizophrenic with no medical documentation to support that? No, not really. I said, did you talk to the family member? No, I didn't. (laughs) I mean, it it was that type of report, okay? And uh, so me and him really went at it, really went at it. And um, his formal A, they put the formal A on. Uh, he was a complete disaster, a complete disaster. Uh, he was trying to say that Jay failed to bargain in good faith with him because uh, Jay would not produce any documentation before the meeting, before the formal A meeting, that uh Jay just blindsided him with all this documentation at the formal step A meeting. Uh, So I had to take him to the contract, Article 15, where it says at the meeting, you know, uh, 15 formal step A, where it talks about at the meeting. (laughs) I said, can you tell the arbitrator where it says that anything must be done before the meeting? So we read that language together. He couldn't do it. I said, so how is he failing to bargain in good faith by going by the contract? And so the arbitrator shot that argument down. He shot the timeliness argument down. Uh, he, they said that we failed to bargain in good faith at the informal step A meeting because the informal step A rep for us just went in, threw an 8190 down, didn't tell the 204B what this grievance was about, and uh, just left. And unfortunately for them, the 204B signed, and it said date discussed with supervisor. And so... I put that back on them as well with the formal step A and I just had him read that to the arbitrator where it says date discussed with supervisor. I'm going to say, what does discussed mean? And so he had to, to acknowledge that it was signed that they discussed. It was all kind of stuff like this, anything to not hear the merits. Okay. But the toxic working environment in Memphis goes back 30 years. We had arbitration decision way back when with Lou Drass was the advocate. And uh, it was a joint statement case. One of the very first joint statement wins we had as a union was out of Memphis. And that arbitrator was talking about the environment, even back then. And uh, that manager attempted to vacate that decision uh, through court, and and they lost. And the arbitrator talked about that because obviously we put that in here as well. And so it was just a very, very difficult hearing. Uh, I went against uh, Mr. Conklin, Eric Conklin, who is their best. Very good arbitration advocate. Very good. Uh, He was at area level. Then he came back and he was district labor manager. And he came down and did the case himself. Uh, Very persuasive guy. Very good advocate. And so it's always fun going against Eric because he is so good. Um, but uh, in my opening, I, I told the arbitrator our story. And uh, I basically just told him, I said, you know, time and time again, we have brought our grievances to management about the toxic working environment in Memphis. Time and time again, they have signed off that they will cease and desist creating a toxic working environment either through the Joint Statement on Violence Behavior in the Workplace or Section 115.4, Failure to Maintain Mutual Respect. Time and time again, those decisions have been met with winks and nods. Time and time again, the same ones that those resolutions are talking about have abused my brothers and sisters. The days of shaking hands are over. The union's here now. And I remember looking over at Eric and I said, Mr. Conklin, this is in my opening. I said, Mr. Conklin, we appreciate you being here, but you're no longer needed. You're no longer needed. The union's here now. And Mr. Arbitrator, we look to you. We look to you to put a final resolution to an ongoing problem. You're the only avenue we have. You're all we've got. If not you, then who? Who will help us here? 
Who will come in and intervene for us through the toxic working environment that management has produced in this installation for so many decades? It has to be you. If not, then who? The days of shaking hands are over. The union's here now. And I remember telling him that in my opening statement. I remember him, when I told him what happened, him putting his head down, and he's like, oh, my God, when I told about the shooting. Uh, just the raw emotion that he showed throughout the entire process. Uh, it got quite volatile several times uh, because you can imagine, you know, tensions were high on both sides. Uh, I was allowed to close orally, and, and I just thundered down on it, man. Kind of the same thing, telling the arbitrator, I was slapping this case file, man, 1,300 pages, and just telling us, you are all we have. This is the only avenue we have is the grievance procedure. We've done everything humanly possible to get management involved, and they have told us they do not care about the letter carrier in Memphis. I, I did that numerous times, pleading with him, that he's all we've got. He's the only avenue that we have. It, it was just very, very difficult um, because you are going after a monster, you know, in, in when you're dealing with an installation. You are going after a monster because it's something that's been created over time, uh, this toxic working environment. I'll never forget in the file, it was one month to the day, one month to the day, this uh, this young lady wrote a statement. It was a month prior to the shooting. And in the statement, she's like, we need help. Somebody help us, please. Somebody come get involved in Memphis, please. Because if nothing's done about the toxic working environment in Memphis, something tragic is going to happen. That was one month to the day prior to the shooting. What do you think about that? I remember Jay reading that to the arbitrator and the arbitrator, the look on his face in my closing held up that statement and highlighted that date one month to the day. They said, please help us. Please help us. If something's not done, something tragic is going to happen. How prophetic is that? There was a letter from the business agent to the district manager pleading for help, pleading for help. Please get involved in Memphis. We need your help, please. Our brothers and sisters down there are, are suffering because of the toxic working environment. I remember Jay reading that to the, to the arbitrator. No response from the district manager whatsoever. There was a group of carriers that wrote a letter to the district manager and was given to him through the branch president pleading for help for them. And they said, the, the postmaster down here is doing nothing to help us. We go to him time and time again, and he's turned his back on us. Please help us. This was about 50 carriers. Please help us down here in Memphis. And the district manager sent the letter to the postmaster nothing done the case file was filled with the same things drt decision after drt decision cease and assist cease and assist cease and assist on the same managers over and over and over again and on those b team decisions you have the names they'll send it to these are they're courtesy copied here's who we sent it to so i showed the arbitrator over and over and over again look at this one it goes to the district manager he has to be aware. Look at this one. This one goes to the district manager. He has to be aware. Look at this letter from my business agent to him. He has to be aware. Where's the help from Memphis? When the joint statement talks about these actions will not be tolerated, when does that take effect from Memphis? When will they no longer be tolerated? Because they've been tolerated for 30 years with no help. I had two decisions from the B team that came in after the grievance was filed and after it was sent to the NBA. Two grievances that were filed on two of the managers that we were going after. And they were, again, instructed to cease and desist violation of the joint statement. And I attempted to put those in 
through cross-examination, trying to show that that nothing's happened. There's, there's nothing been done, even after even after this horrific incident to curb the toxic working environment. Because two of the people that we went after are still doing the same things that they were doing. And management objected profusely. And the arbitrator, he sustained the objection. He said, yeah, you can't put those in here. He said, but I will take them. He said, I'll take them, but uh, yeah, I'm going to sustain the objection. Well, he cites them in his remedy when he talks about uh, how could this happen. You know, he's saying, you know, the, look at the dates on these two things. They're after the, the shooting. Where's the district manager? That's what he's saying. Uh, so he did at least reference them. I remember questioning the formal step A when we're talking about the the IMIP, and a lot of people message me about what they can do. And I say under publication 552, management has an obligation to initiate an IMIP, initial management inquiry process. Uh, and that's what we'll ask for. Where is that IMIP? If we bring a if we bring a charge against you, however it is, a letter, a grievance, whatever. Did you do what you're obligated to do under Publication 552 and initiate in the IMIP? And 99% of the time, that's not done. Uh, and so this was funny because uh, the IMIP, the Publication 552, was referenced all through this case file by management, by us. Matter of fact, there's several emails. Have we conducted an IMIP on ourselves from management? And so... I attempted to put publication 552 in there and management objected to that. I'm like, it's referenced throughout the entire case file. <laughs> Why do you not want me to put publication 552 in there? It's new argument. I said, it's not new arguments it's in our contentions. I said, it's, it's in your contentions. We've just been sitting there talking about the IMIP. I said, I want to put publication 552 in there to show them the steps. I object to it. And so I had the publication 552. And the arbitrator says, do you want to put all that in the record? I said, no, sir. He said, how much you want to put into the record? I said, one sentence. He said, so you only want to put one sentence out of that whole thing in here. I said, yes, sir. That's all I want to put in there is one sentence. Highlight the sentence and show it to me. So I highlighted the sentence. He folded it up so he didn't see anything else. He folded it up and read that one sentence that was highlighted. And uh, he asked management, he said, do you have any objection to him putting in that one sentence? Yes, we do. He looked at it. He said, I'm going to let him put in this one sentence. So it was exhibit one. <laughs> it was union's exhibit one was one sentence out of publication 552. <laughs> and so he asked, management had several people in there, TAs, all kind of people, you know, because this was a huge case, massive case. So they had all kind of people in there watching. And so he says, uh, can one of y'all go get me a pair of scissors? And they was like, yeah. So he he gets a pair of scissors and he cuts out that one sentence. <laughs> and he says, all right, here's the union's exhibit one. It was the one sentence. And he gave me back the publication 552. And so that one sentence was uh, management's obligation that a, a complaint of any type must be met with the, the initial management inquiry process. Uh, so that's all I wanted in there to show that a, a complaint of any type of any form. And so when management's formal step a rep was on there, I said, you know, do you consider a grievance a complaint? Well, I said, wouldn't it be the ultimate complaint is a grievance? Yeah. I said, well, and here is a statement, uh, from a carrier on one of the managers we were going after. And the statement was that the manager was on the floor saying, get the fuck off my clock, you piece of shit. You're the worst care I've ever seen. Get the fuck off my clock. And it was a young lady he was talking to. She's like, can I at least get my purse? Get the fuck off my clock or I'm going to call the police. You're a piece of shit. You're going in overtime. And this is in the middle of the workroom floor. And uh, you're sorry as hell. You Get the fuck off my floor. Said it 20 times. Get the fuck off my floor. And she's like, please just let me get my purse. She's crying. Please just let me get my purse. Get, I'm calling the police. Get the fuck off my floor. So anyway, I said, that statement, would you consider that a complaint? Well, yeah. I said, were you the formal step A rep for that grievance? 
Yes. I said, did you initiate an IMIP? No. I said, under publication 552, weren't you required to, based off of that complaint, that grievance? Then we went to the district manager where we had uh, uh, the business agent's uh, letter to him. Please help. Please help us. Our carriers are being exposed to this toxic working environment. Please help. Do something. I said, would you not consider that an official complaint? I said, do you know if the district manager has initiated an IMIP? No, he hasn't. And, and we did that all the way through this file. And uh, so at the end, the very last page was a, an email from him to the postmaster saying, have y'all done an IMIP within the last year? And they said no. And so it was all of that. <laughs> it was all of that. It was constant back and forth in this case file, uh, trying to prove our position. And um, it took six or seven months, but we finally got the decision. And I wanted to read the decision to you because it's the, it's, it's the best one I've ever received. And, and I believe that uh, Jeremy has put these up on the website. So if you want to read them, you can. There was two of them. Uh, he sent in an interim award, and that was one where he shot down all of management's arguments and basically said, you know, this is the reason that he's going to rule in the union's favor. And then he, he initiated this award, which was his final award, which was what he's going to grant us. And, and I'll never forget, in the, in the um, decision on page 27, at the bottom he wrote this. And, and this is attributed to Jason Ashley, is what this was talking about. And the, and how Jason actually came in and was overwhelming in his testimony. And, and this is attributed to him. And this is what it says. As a practicing attorney, I completely understand the feeling of facing a ruling authority when the factual and legal allegations and contentions are so lopsided that the defeat is imminent. Once again, I applaud both advocates and assistants in this case. More especially at this juncture, the representative of the USPS for putting forth a professional argument and case and irrespective of the ultimate outcome or the factual and legal deficiencies of their case. That's a testament to Jason Ashley. I'll read it again. As a practicing attorney, I completely understand the feeling of facing a ruling authority when the factual and legal allegations and contentions are so lopsided the defeat is imminent. And I hope Jay realizes the importance he had in this case. I do. I hope that he understands that without him, we would not have won this case. And if I was talking to him now, I would tell him that. The arbitrator said, when the factual and legal allegations and contentions are so lopsided that defeat is imminent. That's an arbitrator telling you that you've put on a position that's so lopsided that the defeat of the other party is imminent. And so I, I, if it was not for Jason Ashley, we would not be here today. Memphis would still be under the same tyranny that they've been under. And so it's important for him to know uh, that it's because of him. I know there are a lot of players, but nobody else sat in that chair. Nobody else sat in that chair. A lot of people had their hands in it. I was the advocate. You had numerous people getting documentation. The local branch provided us with case after case after case. Uh, everybody had their hands in it. But if it was not for Jason Ashley, we would not be here today. It's because of the testimony that he put on through very difficult circumstances. Uh, and they're gonna the picture that is gonna be up on this episode on promadearbitration.com is the day of the hearing. This when him and I are both in suits. And uh, that was after the testimony of him. And we were drained, absolutely drained. Uh, it, was, it was burdensome. But here's the decision uh, from the arbitrator, and then I'll be done. I didn't mean for it to go this long. I was just going to talk a little bit about it and got into it a little bit. But It says, the following holdings are adopted by your arbitrator in this award opinion. A, holding. The party shall have a deep appreciation of and closely follow the Swallow Workplace Safety and Violence Summary 
when complying with and implementing the holdings contained in this award. And so Arbitrator Swallow is his name. So when he says the Swallow Workplace Safety and Violence Summary, he's Arbitrator Swallow. B, holding. The USPS is warned that failure to comply with any holding contained in this award will result in the escalation of remedies, which was critical because you're going to see what he's fixing to do to him here. I'll read that again. The USPS is warned that failure to comply with any holding contained in this award will result, not may, will result in the escalation of remedies. So, again, that's critical because of what he's fixing to do here. C, holding. Ms. Risha Braswell is immediately removed from her current managerial position and may not, under any circumstances, supervise or manage any city letter carriers either directly or indirectly. That was one of them. D, holding. Ms. Terry Benson is immediately removed from her current managerial position and may not, under any circumstance, supervise or manage any city letter carriers either directly or indirectly. That's two of them. E, holding. Mr. Joseph Bird is immediately removed from his current managerial position and may not, under any circumstance, supervise or manage any city letter carriers either directly or indirectly. And that's the third one. We went after the toxic working environment in Memphis installation. It's the first time it's ever been done. We went after an entire installation. The business agent said, we're not targeting one. We're not going after one. We're going after the environment of Memphis. Put together a case file going after the environment of Memphis. We're done with shaking hands. (laughs) Time and time again, like I said, time and time again, we've gone to management through the Greer's procedure looking for help. Time and time again, they've signed off on resolutions that they knew that they weren't going to to follow. Time and time again, those resolutions were met with winks and nods from management. The day of shaking hands is over. We thank you, management, for coming to this hearing. You're no longer needed. The union's here now. The union's here now. We're going to take over. We appreciate y'all coming. You're no longer needed. That's what the business agent said. The time for shaking hands is over. We no longer need you. We're going to take this on ourselves. The decisions that have been met with minks and nods for so many years, we're no longer going to do that. We put together a case file and a remedy that forced it to, to arbitration. It forced it to arbitrate. It took it out of management's hands. We're no longer going to ask for a cease and desist. We're wanting people removed from their position, and we're not going to settle for anything less at any lower step. Three managers removed in one decision. That's going after the toxic working environment in an installation. Three managers removed from their positions and will never be allowed to supervise or manage city letter carriers in any capacity whatsoever. That's how you shake some shit up. That's how you do that. You want to fire some son of bitches up? Put that on them right there. You're the three main culprits in this installation. Time and time again, they told you to quit being a piece of shit and you can't do it. You can't do it. And management refuses to hold you accountable for these decisions. The union's here now. The union's here now. Next, F, holding. Listen to this now, folks. It's the first time in history. However many decisions you've ever read, you will never hear this. It's the first time in history. District Manager Alexander is immediately removed from his current managerial position and may not under any circumstance supervise or manage any city letter carriers either directly or indirectly. Should his retirement status change to full or part-time employment with the USPS? This arbitrator removed the district manager from his position because that piece of shit wouldn't do what he was supposed to do and help his people. Every carrier, every employee under his purview, every employee, he's over. He's the district manager. He's over everybody in the district. 
And this son of a bitch won't even get involved with Memphis when we're begging him to do so. Begging him to do so. My business agent begged him to get involved with Memphis and help us. Years of it. The branch president begging the district manager, please do something in Memphis to curb this environment. Just laughed at it. Well, now I bet you I have a job. Laugh at that. Laugh at that. Years my carriers have been down there in that toxic working environment, begging and pleading for help. And this son of a bitch is going to sit in his office in Nashville, Tennessee, and turn a nose up to us? Fuck you. You sorry son of a bitch. That right there. That right there is curbing toxic working environment. If every district manager knew that they were going to be held accountable for their actions or inactions, you would see a halt to this shit. I've always said if a district manager would get involved with somebody, that behavior is over with. Won't do it. And I had documented proof that he wouldn't do it. Now he's gone. How you like it? Bet you wish you would have answered to that now. G. Holding. Management and Memphis installation shall immediately cease and desist. I'm going to start that over. I'm starting that over. <laughs> he getting them. Management in the Memphis installation shall immediately cease and desist violating M39 section 115, ELM 66524, the Postal Service Policy on Workplace Harassment, and the Joint Statement on Violence Behavior in the Workplace, and the Swallow Workplace Safety and Violence Summary via Articles 14, 15, and 19. So if any violation of those things come up now, they're in violation of this award. You want to put an end to a toxic working environment? Get an arbitrator that's not concerned about his job, his status. Get an arbitrator that's not concerned about, am I going to be back on another panel? Get one that says, I want a resolution. I want a final resolution to an ongoing issue. And this is what you get. He saw. He saw my people reaching out for help. He listened to Jason Ashley for five hours tell him, we need help. Please help us. Jay would look at him and say, sir, please help us here. We need help, please. You can't listen to that for five hours and turn a blind out of that. Management can because they don't like us and fuck them. You can't turn a blind eye to that and say, I'm not going to help. When I tell him in my closing, you are all we've got. And that's exactly how I said it. And the, ex and the exact volume I said it. I said, sir, you are all we've got. You're it. We have nowhere else to go. We have nowhere else to turn. Time and time again, we've gone to them for help. And they've met with winks and nods. Time and time again, we've gone to them for help. The time of shaking hands is over. Sir, we need you. You are all we have. And he said, hey, Union. Hey, Cares in Memphis. I'm putting a final resolution to an ongoing problem. I'm going to put it in the paper. I'm going to do everything that I can as an arbitrator to do that. That's what I'm going to do for you. And that's what this resolution was. Let's go on. This one is hysterical. H, holding. The USPS shall reimburse the NALC for all costs in investigating the incident of October 12th of 2021 as well as all costs in the prosecution of this case within the entire Article 15 process. Said reimbursement shall include, but not limited to, all costs of arbitration. All sums contemplated by this award shall be paid within 30 days of the USPS receiving an invoice from the NLC. All objections as to amounts to be paid shall be presented to your arbitrator for resolution within 10 days of the objection via Zoom video conferencing. So he said, look, the union has come to y'all in the past looking for help, and y'all have not done it. 
You've not done the first thing. And if you read the decision, it's very hard to read because he's got a lot of legalese. He does a lot of legal jargon. It's very difficult to read if you don't know what you're looking at. But he tells them, because the union has come to y'all so often and, and you've done nothing. And he says it over and over again. You, you've done nothing. You know, in the case file, the 1,300 pages, when I asked the formal step A representative for management, I said, I want you to look to tell the arbitrator, show him in these 1,300 pages of case file, please show the arbitrator one page where management has done anything independently to curb the toxic working environment in Memphis. Don't show me a grievance resolution because that's something we had to bring to y'all. Show me something that y'all have done independently outside of the grievance procedure to curb the toxic working environment in Memphis. 1,300 pages. He couldn't produce one. Not one. And so the arbitrator recognizes that. He said, hey, look, the union shouldn't have to be here doing this. The union shouldn't have to be sending a team down there for two weeks to investigate the toxic working environment. Y'all are tasked with that. That's your obligation. The union shouldn't have to be doing that. You're tasked with that responsibility. But since the union had to do that, since they had to send teams down to meet for two weeks to prepare this grievance and an advocate to come down here for two, two days hearing, you're going to compensate them, reimburse them for all of that expense. That's a final resolution to an ongoing issue. They shouldn't be here doing this. But because you're in activity, you're in action, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to compensate them for that. Listen to this one. I holding all employees, USPS and NALC employees, to include full-time, part-time, and CCA NALC employees, as well as any other city letter carrier on the employment rolls, assigned to the Memphis installation, shall be provided with EAP services, Paid entirely by the USPS. The time period for these services shall revert back to October 12th of 2021 and continue thereafter until further ruling of your arbitrator. What about that? So now EAP, the first visit's on the Postal Service. After that, it's on, on uh, us, right? He's saying we're going to go over. We're, we're, we're bypassing that. We're bypassing that. Any employee on the NLC purview can go to EAP as many times as they need to, and Postal Service, you're going to pay for that too. This guy's getting it, man. This arbitrator gets it right here. Jay Holding. The party shall create the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee made up of six individuals. The USPS may appoint three members from the regional or local area. At least one member shall be from the managerial area. The NELC may appoint three members from the regional or local area. At least one member shall be from the regional office. The committee shall be organized and assembled within 10 days of the issuance of this award. Opinion. Two, the USPS shall keep detailed records of the procedures and processes of the committee and shall share with the NELC upon request the records that are maintained. Three, the purpose of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall be to develop programs and processes with the assistance of a conflict resolution coordinator who shall serve as the chairman of the committee. Four, all unresolved conflicts of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall be presented to your arbitrator for resolution within 10 days of the conflict via Zoom video conferencing. Five, the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall meet twice each month for a minimum time period of four hours or as further directed by the chairman of the committee or your arbitrator. Six, the USPS shall pay all costs associated with the attendance of all committee members at all meetings, including the chairman of the committee, including, but not limited to, travel, and other ordinary expenses. The chairman of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall be reimbursed individually in the same manner and under the same conditions as your arbitrator. 
Furthermore, the USPS shall pay all costs associated with any outside conflict resolution organization. <laughs> Woo! Seven, the chairman of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall be Professor Selena Schultz. Eight, the USPS and NELC, as well as all committee members, shall work together, applying the tenets of good faith and fair dealing to accomplish the goals of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee. And nine, the USPS may elect not to participate. Listen to this one now. The USPS may elect not to participate Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee. If such an election is made, the USPS shall, within 30 days of such election, pay each NALC employee within the Memphis installation to include full-time, part-time, and CCA employees a one-time lump sum payment of $1,000. Nothing in this holding regarding the election contained herein shall be interpreted as to avoid any other holding in this award. So if management says we're not going to get into this committee, every member, every every carrier, whether part-time, full-time, or CCA, gets $1,000. Okay, holding. The work of the Memphis Installation Conflict Resolution Committee shall hereafter be known as, known and cited as the Memphis Project. And that's his decision. That's an arbitrator who came in, listened to the, the positions of the parties, and said, look, I'm putting a final resolution to an ongoing issue. This right here is going to do it. And, and I fully hope that management embraces this decision and does what's right. I'm skeptical because they never do, but I'm hoping that they see this as what it is. It's, it's an opportunity for a new start in Memphis to where we can change the environment. That's what we went after. We tried to attack an environment, which is almost impossible to do, to attack an environment. But my business agent said, enough is enough. We're going after the environment and who is creating such an environment? What are the main players? Who is the vital few that are creating this environment or promoting it or condoning it? Who are they? And let's go after them. And that's what we did. So kudos to my business agent for stepping up and saying, hey, enough is enough. Like I said, the time of shaking hands is over. It was a great decision for our people. A great decision for our people. Uh, so many people involved all the way up the line from the informal, formal B team, business agent's office, especially Jason Ashley for his time. Uh, you know, poor guy, man. You're talking about just laborious to be up there for five hours, six hours testifying. So I, I wanted to to get that out there today. Just do an episode on that. It lasted a lot longer than I thought it would. I was just going to tell you about an award I got, but um, – fantastic job by everybody like i said fantastic decision now, i don't know if management's going to attempt to vacate it or not in court no they could try to um but really good job by everybody really good job it's the it was the the biggest decision that i've received by far uh, because of just the plight just the plight of our people down there in memphis who have been subjected to the worst managers that you could imagine. We've been down there so many times dealing with this so many times. I hate that it took a tragedy to, to finally get that, that final resolution to that ongoing issue. Um, but just if you can read it, read it. Like I said, some things are very difficult, the jargon that's used, but um, just, just read it and appreciate that for what it is. It's a lot of hard work by a lot of individuals. And um, so that's going to be it for this week from me. Uh, J, JB will be over tomorrow night and then uh, do some salted peanuts for you. And then I'll be on next Sunday. Probably same thing. Get a lot of things coming in, okay? So y'all take care of yourself. Um, congratulations to those carriers in Memphis. That, that have been suffering unlike anything you've ever seen before because of mismanagement. Uh, congratulations to the branch president. And then I talked to him a little bit after the award. He was ecstatic, almost in tears. Um, 
just a good good stuff, man. Really good stuff for our people. So rejoice for them, okay? And hopefully that will be that, that final resolution. But rejoice for them, all right? All right, folks. Y'all have a fantastic rest of the week. JB will be on tomorrow. I have that up tomorrow night. And I'll talk to you later. All right.